Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. When President Biden announced months ago that any company that had 100 employees or more had to mandate COVID vaccination or be hit with severe fines, there were major questions as to whether or not it was constitutional. He also made a mandate to any healthcare facility that received federal funding had to mandate COVID vaccines as well. But the question still remained as to how did all this not violate citizens' constitutional rights? How could a government tell people what to inject into their bodies, especially if they went against what they wanted to do? Well, the United States Supreme Court heard oral arguments on Friday, last Friday, in a case challenging the Biden administration's federal COVID-19 vaccination or test mandate for uh, employees with more than 100 uh, in their company. In 2021, the Daily Wire was the first major business to file suit against that mandate, following uh, with several other petitioners uh, challenging the Biden administration's use of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, which, of course, everybody knows as OSHA, to carry out uh, that order, uh, arguing that it was a violation of the Constitution and that the mandate is not necessarily to protect workers. The case has since been consolidated. So all of these different uh, court cases all have been consolidated together. The case was first stayed by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals and the Sixth Circuit lifted that stay. So uh, uh, the, the Fifth Circuit Court said, um, you know, you don't have to, to do this. But then the Sixth Circuit Court came back and said, yes, the mandate is okay. Uh, the companies are still going to have to do it. Now, immediately after that ruling, attorneys for the Daily Wire petitioned SCOTUS, or the Supreme Court of the United States, to hear the case. Quote, we are confident in our cause. We have the rule of law, administrative and constitutional, on our side. We have the science on our side. Now, this is the Daily Wire's co-CEO, Jeremy Boring, and he said in an op-ed, quote, we have the best and most moral arguments on our side. It's hard to claim to be a free country when you can force businesses to force their employees to either violate their own consciences or inject themselves with drugs they do not wish to take. Be discriminated against or be fired. He also said, at the end of the day, the government has the power to make us all comply, but they do not have the right to make us all comply. That's why we must keep fighting. Now, the Supreme Court heard the case on an expedited schedule, limiting the argument time to one hour and choosing two representative petitioners to argue. Those were a condition uh, of the 28 states, including Ohio, Texas, uh, Florida, Tennessee, and a coalition of businesses called the National Federation 
of independent businesses. I listened to uh, the majority of those oral arguments uh, myself on both of these cases. And the, the uh, OSHA mandate is scheduled to go into effect on January 10th with enforcement beginning February 9th. It was ex- uh, expected that a decision could come before today. Um, Morning Wire also reported uh, there were several avenues that uh, the Supreme Court could take to rule the mandate unconstitutional. There are many constitutional and statutory reasons the court could grant a stay. The petitioners will argue that this mandate is not necessary to protect workers from a grave danger. Um, There will likely be some back and forth on the the meaning of the word uh, necessary and whether unvaccinated workers are the kind of grave danger from the from the Congress uh, that, that the Congress was trying to protect workers when it passed the original OSHA Act. Now, another avenue the court could take is the major questions doctrine, major questions doctrine, which requires agencies making um, d- decisions uh, of, of vast economic and political significance to have specific and clear direction from Congress. And, and, and having Congress itself uh, ha- you know, have that direction to OSHA and these agencies before implementing such policy. Now, the argument is that Congress created OSHA to protect workers, but never specifically told OSHA it could essentially shut people out of the workforce if they didn't take a vaccine. Now, like I say, I I listened uh, to the questioning by the Supreme Court uh, judges on Friday and and was struck by a few things. One was just how uninformed some of these justices are. (laughs) I mean, if, if there will be a legacy of President Donald Trump, it will be the, the justices that he put on the high court, and he had the opportunity to put a number. The, the, the difference is so obvious between them and some of their more liberal justices, like Justice Sonia uh, Sotomayor. Um, politi- fact, politic fact slammed liberal Supreme Court Justice uh, Sotomayor for claiming during oral arguments over the Biden administration's vaccine mandate on Friday that more than 100,000 children were in, quote, serious condition due to the coronavirus. Now, she said, we have over 100,000 children, which we've never had before, in serious condition, and many on ventilators due to coronavirus, is what she said. That, that, That was her quote. Even the highly liberal PolitiFact rated that statement as false, writing in part that while the number of coronavirus positive um, pediatric hospitals has has risen uh, with the spread of the Omicron variant, Sotomayor's number was way off. (laughs) At the time she made this comment, the the federal data showed that fewer than 5,000 coronavirus virus positive children were in the hospital. So where were the other 95,000? <laughs> in, in fact, fewer than 83,000 children have been hospitalized for coronavirus of any variant uh, altogether. 
So, and, and, that, and that's been since August of 2020. So, you know, in, in fact, in fact, it's, it's interesting. Here's the quote. Omicron is as deadly as Delta and causes as more serious disease in the unvaccinated as Delta did is what Sotomayor said. She also claimed, quote, the numbers look at the hospitalization rates going up. We have more infected people today than we did a year ago in January. We've ha- we have hospitals that are almost at full capacity with people severely ill on ventilators. We have over 100,000 children, which we've never had before in serious condition and many on ventilators. I mean, that, that's just such a ridiculous statement to say that kind of stuff. On Wednesday, White House Chief Medical Advisor um, Pope Fauci, or also known as Dr. Anthony Fauci, stated that, quote, multiple sources of now preliminary data indicate a decrease severity with Omicron. So this was completely different than Sotomayor was saying. The The news comes as the U.S. has shattered global records this week uh, for new daily coronavirus cases, despite Of course, Democratic President Joe Biden's pledge to shut down the virus, if you remember that. Uh, Quote, no, I don't think coronavirus is here to stay, but having COVID in the environment here and in the world is probably here to stay, Biden said. (laughs) COVID, as we're dealing with it now, is not here to stay. The normal doesn't have to be. We have so many more tools we've developed and we're continuing to develop that can contain Corona and other strains of COVID. (laughs) That was his quote. Biden's comments about how he thinks coronavirus is not here to stay and that his administration can develop strategies to contain it do appear to challenge the advice that Biden was given by six experts just this week. I mean, six former advisors who counseled him during the presidential transition wrote last week in the uh, Journal of American Medical Association um, that that it was time for for Biden to change strategies to something geared toward living with the virus. Uh, the CDC reported that on January 20th of last year at 1.16 p.m., <laughs> there were f- just a little over 400,000 deaths recorded in the U.S. from the coronavirus. 400,306 to be exact. Biden's officially uh, became the, 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 the president of the United States at noon on that day. Now, since then, the number of people who have died from coronavirus under Biden's watch is now well over 429,000, according to recent figures. Supreme Court uh, Justice uh, Sonia Sotomayor um, was was not the only justice to show a lack of understanding of COVID, but in contrast, <laughs> she she was definitely one of uh, one of the worst. And 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 when you contrast her with justices like Justice Amy Coney Barrett, uh, where she was asking very valid questions during questioning, Barrett pressed uh, attorneys arguing in favor of President Joe Biden's. COVID-19 vaccine mandate uh, enforced through the federal government's uh, OSHA as to how long OSHA expected the emergency to last, thus giving the federal agency authority to enact the mandate without 
comment from Congress. As the Supreme Court blog pointed out, uh, Elizabeth uh, Pellagar, uh, the, the U.S. Solicitor General, arguing on behalf of the Biden administration, uh, maintains that OSHA is simply exercising the power that Congress gave it under the Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970, which directs OSHA to issue emergency rules when it determines that a rule is necessary. That is necessary to protect employees from grave danger, from exposure to physically harmful agents or new agents, because COVID-19 meets those comments and and threatens the, the, the unvaccinated workers. As for why OSHA can enact this without comment from Congress, OSHA's emergency rule can go into effect immediately without the notice uh, without notice or, or even comment um, procedures normally required for the agency to make such a rule. Now, Barrett, however, pressured pro-mandate attorneys as to when the emergency would end so that Congress could formally weigh in um, on the, the OSHA ruling. And she said, when does the emergency end? I mean, a lot of this argument has been about Congress failure to act. Two years from now, do we have any reason to think that COVID will be gone or that new variants might not be emerging? And Coney Barrett asked uh, that, uh, quote, and when, when must OSHA actually re, re, uh, resort to its regular authority and go through notice and comments and not simply be kind of doing it with this quick way? which doesn't afford people the voice in the process that they are otherwise entitled to. So, so she is asked, what she's asking here is when, when does the government stop taking power that they're not entitled to have just because they have this emergency clause and can that just simply go on forever? Uh, And of course, quote, so I, I think if I could respond to that in different ways, um, this is, this is the, 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 the lawyer who is arguing for this, uh, this power. She said that, quote, Congress defined when the emergency existed. It labeled this an emergency, temporary standard, but it, it's uh, dictated by the statutory requirements so that, so there has to be a grave danger from a physically harmful agent or a new hazard. And the measures have to be necessary to protect against that danger. And we don't think that there's an additional free-floating requirement that the emergency status that has to be taken into account. So what he's saying here is, is that the government's answer to all this is never. They never have to go back to including people in, and they, they just can dictatorially say whatever they want as long as it is you know, keeping somebody safe out there. So, quote, so it could be an emergency two years from now, Coney Barrett asked. And they said, well, I certainly take the point that the emergency can be a, you know, substantial duration. Of course, this is not a way to bypass notice and comment permanently. Sure, it's not. Congress further specified that the agency is expected to conduct a rulemaking pro- process 
over six months. And that's why the emergency uh, estimated the life saved. The hospitalization uh, prevented over the six months life of the rule. So basically, again, what they're saying is that yes, the answer is if we find what we think is an emergency two years from now, yeah, we can, we can do this again. No problem. <laughs> Quote, sure, but I was envisioning a new rule. Coney Barrett pushed back. Two years from now, OSHA might two years from now adopt something that's different from the vaccine or mask and test mandate. I'm just talking about the limits more generally on OSHA's power under the ETS provision. So she's asking, are you really saying that OSHA has the power to whatever they want, do whatever they want, as long as they think it's necessary? <laughs> here's, here's the government's answer. Quote, the limits, I think, are the ones written into the statute. And so if you want to protect, uh, want to project out two years from now, I think it's entirely possible, of course, and that the trajectory of the pandemic will change. I certainly hope so. And in the in that case, OSHA, I think, would have to. If it wanted to regulate again, cross that the high burden of, of showing a grave danger before. <laughs> so again, he's he his answer here is yes, OSHA can do what they want as long as they are trying to keep Americans safe. That's his answer. That's not constitutional. Now, Scott Keller, former Texas Solicitor General, arguing on behalf of the anti-mandate plaintiff, responded to this argument by saying, it's unreasonable to assume that Congress gave OSHA unprecedented power over American industry and to and the emergency power is also narrowly um, cir circumvented, uh, yet here OSHA has never had this kind of thing before. Um, and, and, and why would they have it now? If the Supreme Court rules that this is okay, they're giving OSHA power they've never had. Quote, so whether we're talking about the agency's failure to explain, whether we're talking about the statutory term necessary, whether we're talking about how this has to be, you know, uh, tethered to the workplace under the major questions doctrine, under any one of those theories, we we are likely to succeed on the merits. So he is very confident that the Supreme Court is going to see this as unconstitutional. And finally, when it comes to the public interest, as this court just recognized a few months ago, he added, it is undisputable that the public has a strong interest in combating the spread of COVID-19 Delta variant, but our system does not permit agencies to act unlawfully, even in pursuit of desirable ends. So he, he's pointing out that OSHA was created to help keep workers safe, but they don't have the power to do whatever they want constitutionally or not. So just because you say, well, you know, if, if one life was saved, then we have to do it. When, when you say that, you, you're saying that I can do whatever I want. I can trample on what, whatever rights there are, just as long as we're keeping people safe in the name of safety, right? 
Now, this issue before the Supreme Court comes in in two parts and and two possible rulings, actually. So be kind of prepared for that. Uh, from scotusblog.com, it says, Also in November, the Department of Health and Human Services issued a rule that requires all healthcare workers, all healthcare workers at facilities that participate in the Medicare and Medicaid programs, over that's over 10 million workers in total, by the way, to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 unless they are eligible for a medical or, or religious exemption. Several challenges to the rule followed. A federal district court in Missouri put the rule on hold for, for 10 states, while the federal district court in Louisiana did the same for 14 in other states, uh, 14 other states. Uh, that prompted the Biden administration, of course, to come to the Supreme Court in December, asking the justices to put the district court's rulings on hold and to allow the rule to take effect nationwide while the litigation continues. So instead of saying, nope, we don't, we we're going to put this on hold until we rule on it, the Biden administration said, no, we want everybody to continue with the law and continue with this rule uh, while it's hammered out in the courts. The issues and arguments in the dispute over the medical um, Medicare, Medicaid vaccine mandate are in many ways very similar to those in the um, employer vaccine or test mandate that we were just talking about. The administration contends that Congress gave HHS broad authority, including the power to require healthcare facilities that want to participate in, in Medicare and Medicaid to comply with conditions that the secretary includes are necessary in the interest of health and safety. There we go again, right? So we're seeing the same type of things all over again. As long as we find, deem it necessary and in the interest of health and safety, then we can do whatever we want. In this case, the administration uh, concludes uh, that the HHS saw that COVID-19 vaccination rates in healthcare facilities were low, under 70% at hospitals and long-term care facilities in September of last year. It is, the administration con uh, contends, hard to imagine something more problematic uh, in the healthcare and safety conditions than a requirement that workers at hospitals, nursing homes, and other medical facilities take the step that most effectively prevents transmission of a deadly virus to vulnerable patients. Now, I would, of course, say to that that it, it's, it's not preventing any transmission, right? We see people all the time that, that uh, have been vaccinated and boosted and everything else, and of course, they're getting it nonetheless. The state's challenging the mandate, call the vaccine requirements sweeping and unprecedented, and they say that it threatens to create a crisis in the healthcare facilities in rural America in particular, which already suffers from a shortage of healthcare workers. For example, they write one hospital in rural Nebraska could lose one third of its staff, while a nursing home in rural Missouri could also lose nearly a third of its staff, creating the possibility that both might literally have to shut down. Now, I would say in, in, the facts here are that many hospitals that have already instituted vaccine mandates are hurting to maintain acceptable staffing levels. I mean, many are hiring workers with disabilities that would normally disqualify them from employment in certain positions. Um, they're, they're being hired, and then the hospitals are trying to find a way to put them to work. And in other words, they are hiring anyone they can, and then trying to find out how to, uh, how to make accommodations for them. 
This is after hundreds were fired for not getting vaccinated and the hospitals refused to make accommodations for them. Why would a hospital hire a blind nurse, for instance, and, and try to make accommodations for them, but fire an experienced nurse that did not want to take the, the shot and make no accommodations for them? Because these hospitals are hurting so badly in the staffing department. Now they are creating new rules around COVID. These rules state that they can be showing signs of COVID and even be tested positive for COVID and still have patient contact only after five days later. If things get worse, then they will, they will institute rules that allow patients um, and, and nurse contact anytime. So whether you have COVID or not, in other words, these, these health care professionals, okay, these are health professionals would rather have COVID positive nurses have contact with sick and vulnerable patients than to allow the unvaccinated nurse to work for them. It's just ridiculous. The healthcare system, like, like the one in, in Rhode Island, are now hiring back unvaccinated uh, nurses and, and healthcare staff after firing them because they, they just have no other choice. Hospitals can't even get enough traveling nurses to make up the difference, even though they're paying them $10,000 a week. Now, the states argue that the, the, the provision on which the government relies is a housekeeping statute that does not give you know, HHS the broad power that government claims. Instead, they, they suggest it merely gives HHS the power to make practical rules that keep Medicare and, and Medicaid operating smoothly and, and economically, such as the rules that update billing procedures and, and these type of things. The, the states also challenge HHS decision to impose the mandate without first providing notice, just like the other, the other one, right? Just like the other case. Um, they, they just basically did this without giving any kind of public input at all. The current way of handling COVID requires, um, you know, perpetuating fear. All you have to do is turn on any of the liberal mainstream media outlets to see just how much fear is being peddled. It leads to stories like this one. <laughs> Truly, this, this is really what happened. A Houston area mother is facing criminal charges after she allegedly put her child in the trunk of her car because she thought the child had coronavirus. According to the DA, DA's office, Sarah Beam, 42, was at a COVID-19 testing site at uh, Prig Prignion Stadium on Falcon Road in, on January 3rd when officials were alerted her teenage child, 13, was in the trunk of her car. Now, Fox 26 reported that according to uh, changing documents uh, or charging documents, Beam said her child was in the trunk because they had previously previously tested positive for COVID-19 and as a result wanted to prevent herself from getting exposed to possible COVID while driving the child to the stadium for additional testing. Beam was charged with child uh, endangerment, of course, and and, and they, 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 they were, um, these charges were brought up 
because she literally, when she showed up at the testing facility and popped the trunk and said, here, go test my child, that the, the, the witness found that, that uh, the 13-year-old was face down in the back of the trunk and, and had to say something. So Beam, who most recently taught as a high school teacher at Cypress Falls High School, has been placed on administrative leave, and I should hope so. Now, I would say this, that just this shows you how much fear there is among those that are uninformed. It also goes to show you how illogical our response to COVID has been. All of this is just simply a power grab. That's it. It's a power grab. A power grab that could have been not done in any other way than just simply by using the fear they generate. And we are not to be a part of that. That is not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be informed. We're supposed to understand what COVID is about. We're supposed to understand this and we're supposed to understand what our rights are and then go from there. We can't trample on, on, on constitutional rights out of fear but that's what they're trying to do. Now, you may agree with me. You may disagree with me. I, I would love to hear from you. And you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications. 